time we stop spreading fear and acknowledge some facts. This is not about freedom or personal choice. You know, you can't work anymore unless you do what I say. That's essentially what a vaccine passport is. Wear masks obviously is a violation of your personal rights, and so is being locked down. You've been patient. Your patience is wearing thin. Open society back up. Restore our freedoms. End this madness. Well, g'day, I'm George Christensen, host of Conservative One, Pandemic Unmasked, where we're lifting the veil on the COVID-19 pandemic and seeing what lies underneath. And I've got to say, a lot of madness has actually lied underneath this pandemic. I mean, we've seen the most illogical and irrational reactions in terms of public policy. We've seen fear being pumped out by the mainstream media uh, and sadly it being lapped up uh, by a public that seems to be just so terrified of this virus that has a 0.27% fatality rate. Uh, so what's caused all of this? How the hell do we explain it? I'll tell you one person who has explained it is Professor Matthias de Smet. He is the Professor of Clinical Psychology at the University of Ghent in Belgium. And he came up with the uh, observation of mass formation actually occurring during this pandemic. Now, a lot of uh, the political elite and the media types have actually tried to poo-poo this idea and say that it's nonsense, that it's debunked, it's a conspiracy theory, and so on and so on. It's all of the same terms that we hear just to delegitimize uh, the criticisms and the critical observations of what is currently going on. It is no conspiracy theory. It is not debunked. Uh, I'm going to let Dr. Matthias Desmet tell you exactly why in the coming half hour. Well, thanks very much for joining us, Dr. Desmet. Uh, you have been the person who's coined uh, the mass formation uh, uh, theory, if I can call it that. It's more of a theory. It's more of an explanation, actually, uh, than a theory. Uh, it was called mass formation psychosis by uh, someone that you and I both know, uh, being uh, Dr. Robert Malone. He uh, famously said that on Joe Rogan, and the term just went like wildfire around the world, um, become a trending trending topic on Twitter, in fact. Um, but tell us, uh, what is mass formation? And can you explain what causes mass formation? I think I can. And thank you for inviting me, George. So, but um, yes, um, well, mass formation. Uh, let me first tell you a little bit how I came to, to, to think about even to think about what was going on going on in society during the corona crisis to put it in a concise way you know as you said i have a i am a professor in clinical psychology of clinical psychology but i also have a master degree in statistics and in the beginning of the crisis i started to study the, the statistics and the mathematical models that were used and i immediately had the strong impression that uh, most mathematical models and also most statistics dramatically overrated the dangerousness of the virus. And yeah. in one way or another, society in general seemed to overrate the dangerousness of the virus. That was the first thing that I noticed. And then, and, uh, and, and, uh, and I believe that uh, by the end of May 2020, for me, 
uh, that was also proven beyond doubt. For me, it was clear at that moment that all the initial statistics and all the initial models all had been dramatically overestimated. Right. The certainly from the Imperial right. College, certainly they were from the Imperial College, which got it so wrong. That was the start of the fear. Yes, of course. And the strange thing was, as I said, by the end of May 2020, uh, uh, it was completely clear, actually, because the models of of uh, Imperial College predicted that in countries such as Sweden, uh, 80,000 people would die if they did not go into lockdown. And they and Sweden did not go into lockdown and only 6,000 people died. And, then, and, and the most bizarre thing was that at the moment it became clear that the models were blatantly wrong, the initial models. In one way or another, the narrative was not adapted. We continue to follow the same narrative and to, to react in the same way to the virus. Uh, so that was something that really, really struck me. And, and, and something else was that uh, in one way or another, a society, both the experts and the population, seemed to be blind for the collateral damage of the, me of the measures. At any time have we seen uh, uh, a proper cost-benefit analysis while there were so many scientists who warned us that the collateral damage of the of the corona measures might be uh, might 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 be worse than the, the than the damage that could be caused by the coronavirus even if no measures were taken at all and to be a little bit more specific the united nations warned us from the beginning of the crisis that there would probably be more children dying from starvation in third world world uh, countries and uh, developing countries uh, as a consequence of the lockdowns then the virus could claim even if no measures were taken at all so and still in one way or another there's a uh, did not have a real uh, impact on the on the measures or on the strategy mm -hmm. to deal with the virus we continue just as if there was only one thing that mattered anymore and it was that we should reduce the number of um, uh, victims claimed by the virus uh, and, all the, and all the rest uh, uh, disappeared in one way or another from the field of attention. And, this, and even when it became clear that the measures probably even didn't have a large impact on the pandemic, we still continued to follow them, to apply them, no matter how much collateral damage uh, they caused. Uh, so that were, in a nutshell, uh, the things that I noticed in the beginning of the crisis and which made me really wonder what happens at the, psycho yeah. at the psychological level in society that an entire society continues to go in the same direction, which clearly uh, uh, will end or will be very devastating. Um, mm -hmm. And then somewhere uh, in... At the end of August 2020, I published the first opinion paper in which I explained what was going on on the basis of the process of mass formation or crowd formation. Uh, and uh, this process of mass formation is actually it's a typical kind of group formation, which, which makes that individuals are not able to take a critical distance anymore from what they believe in and all start to think in the same way and all uh, and in which through which the field of attention of all individuals becomes extremely narrow. It makes, this process of mass formation makes, leads to the fact, or, or makes that people seem to be aware only of a very small aspect of reality. 
while all the rest disappears into darkness and makes no psychological impact anymore. Maybe it's good to summarize or to, 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 to talk a little bit about how this process exactly works, isn't it? Please talk us through how mass formation actually occurs, what yeah. leads up to it. So mass formation is a, is a very specific psychological process which happens under very specific conditions, which were fulfilled, for instance, before the rise of the Soviet Union and the rise of Nazi Germany, in other words, before the rise of the large totalitarian states in the 20th century. Before the 20th century, there were no totalitarian states. There was mass formation, but it was not strong enough to lead to the emergence of a totalitarian state. But throughout the last centuries, the process of mass formation became increasingly strong and in the 20th century, for the first time, it became so strong that it took control over society and that it led to a completely new kind of state, the totalitarian state, which is radically different from, for instance, the classical dictatorship. But so what happens in society? In a, in a, in a, when, what, what exactly is mass formation all about? So it emerges, mass formation emerges, if very specific conditions are met in a society. And the first and most crucial condition is that there should be a lot of people experiencing, experiencing a lack of social bond. So a lot of people who feel socially isolated, who feel lonely. Mm -hmm. And that was definitely the case, the case just before the Corona crisis. For instance, in the United States, the US Surgeon General mentioned that there was a loneliness epidemic, that over 50% yes. of the people, yes, over 50% of the people mentioned that they had that they didn't have one single meaningful uh, 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 interpersonal contact that the only way in which they connected to other people was through the internet and in, in the UK Theresa May even appointed the Minister of Loneliness because she also acknowledged uh, that there were uh, many people a lot of people who, who felt uh, utterly lonely um, so that, 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 that shows us that this condition of uh, um, a lack of social bond was definitely fulfilled just before the Corona crisis. Yeah, that's so this right. I mean, this this is not uh, something that's made up. I mean, sociologists uh, have explored this issue for quite some time. I think you go back to a famous U.S. sociologist by the name of Putnam who wrote a book called Bowling Alone some time ago. I think a few decades ago now. So this uh, process of uh, of social unraveling has been going on in America and in the West uh, for a while. And I would argue that uh, the forced isolation that actually come out of the pandemic as, as one of the reactionary measures probably exacerbated that uh, even more. Is that something that factors into that, uh, that isolation issue or, or not at all? Well, the strange thing is that um, my, uh, social isolation and loneliness is a cause of mass yes. formation. So you need a lot of... So when people feel socially isolated, they will be much more prone or vulnerable for mass formation. But at the same time, social isolation is also a consequence of mass formation. So when, when, when a mass formation emerges, it typically leads to a, to a lack of connection between individuals. The only connection that is still allowed in mass formation is the connection between the individual and the collective, the mass, the crowd itself, mm. and all the rest, all the other, the social bonds between the individuals are usually progressively destroyed 
in mass formation. That happens both in a spontaneous way. It's a spontaneous effect of mass formation. But very often, uh, as soon as a totalitarian regime takes advantage of the process of mass formation, it also creates the social isolation in an intentional way. Because it realizes that if it can destroy the bonds between the individuals and it can make that people only feel connected, that the individuals only feel connected with the state, mm -hmm. uh, it will uh, make that uh, the power of the state even uh, increases. Mm -hmm. So, but, uh, but well, this first condition is this social isolation, this lack of social bond. And then the second condition is a lack of meaning making. Uh, so when the second condition follows from the first one, if people feel socially isolated, being social beings, they will usually also feel a lack of meaning making in life. Um, and this, this was also definitely the case if you read books like Bullshit Jobs, or for instance, if you look at the 2017 Gallup World Poll, I think it was in 2017, this World Poll found that worldwide, only 13% of the people answer yes upon being asked whether or not they consider their job as meaningful. And 60% answers absolutely not. So it shows that this lack of meaning making definitely uh, existed uh, in a, also in an epidemic way uh, just before the corona crisis. And then the third condition is that there should be a lot of free-floating anxiety. So that means a kind of anxiety that people cannot connect to a mental representation. So if people, if you see a dangerous lion and you're scared or a dangerous dog and you feel scared, you know what you're anxious for. And that makes that you can mentally control it. You can think of a strategy to deal with the object of anxiety, to escape the object of anxiety. But if you're, if you're anxious without knowing what you're anxious for, then you lack this mental control. You feel mentally out of control. And that makes it an extremely aversive mental state, this free-floating anxiety. So that is uh, the third condition. And the fourth condition is... So, so just Can I stick on the third condition? Because yes. it rings true just hearing it. It rings true. But what are the proof points that, that, that we did have free-floating anxiety throughout Western civilizations? Well, one out of five was diagnosed with an anxiety disorder okay. in the US before the corona crisis. One out of five. And then... And, and, yes, yes, yes. It's unbelievable. And of course... Um, uh, there are much more people who experience anxiety. The, the, the number of people, the proportion of people that are diagnosed with an anxiety, with an anxiety disorder is much smaller than the total amount, number of, amount of people who suffer from anxiety. So it's huge. And, and if you look in, in, in a country such as Belgium, uh, each year, 300 million doses of antidepressants were used. Each year. In a, population, in a population of 11 million people. And that's only the antidepressants. Then you have the anxiolytica, you have the antipsychotic, you have all kinds of other uh, pharmaceuticals to, to deal with psychological discontent and psychological suffering. Yes, but right, also... So you've, you've definitely proved that point. <laughs> so yeah. uh, item number four. Number four is that there has to be a lot of free-floating frustration and aggression. And that, that also, that typically follows from, from the first three conditions. If people feel socially isolated, if they experience a lack of meaning making, if they are confronted with free-floating anxiety, then they typically will start to feel frustrated and aggressive uh, without knowing exactly what they feel frustrated and aggressive for. And that makes that they are constantly looking for something to direct for an object for their uh, uh, frustration and aggression. 
Um, so, but if, and if, if these four conditions are fulfilled in a society, then something very typically typical might happen. If under these conditions, a narrative is distributed in a society, preferably through the mass media, if a narrative is distributed that indicates an object of anxiety and at the same time provides a strategy to deal with the object of anxiety, for instance, lockdowns, mask wearing, face masking, to deal with the virus. So, but if under these conditions, a narrative is distributed, which indicates an object of anxiety and provides a strategy to deal with the object of anxiety, then all this free-floating anxiety might be connected to the object of anxiety indicated in the narrative and a huge uh, extraordinary willingness might emerge in the population to follow the strategy to deal with the object of anxiety. So this leads to a certain psychological advantage. Without question, without question almost. Yes, without questioning it, uh, absolutely. This leads to the first psychological advantage that all the anxiety that was first freely floating and that was not connected to a representation is now connected to a representation and can be controlled through participating in the strategy to deal with the object of anxiety. And then, once this happens, something even more important happens. Because many people participate in a strategy to deal with the object of anxiety, a new kind of social bond emerges. People fight altogether a heroic battle with the object of anxiety. And this leads, that's the real reason why people buy into the narrative. Even if it is blatantly wrong or utterly absurd, they will buy into it, not because it is because they believe it is correct or accurate or real. They will buy into it because it leads to this new social bond, to this new solidarity, this new kind of meaning making. And then a new normal, a new normal. And then something, the last step happens. Once people feel united in the collective battle with the virus of, or with, with, with the object of anxiety, they will notice that there is a certain group who doesn't want to participate in the battle with the virus, who doesn't want to buy into the narrative. And then all the frustration and aggression that was present in the population might be directed at the people who don't belong to the crowd or the mass that emerged. And that makes that there is a symptomatic solution for the four conditions, the four aversive conditions that, that existed before the mass formation. There is a new social, so there is a new social bond. There is a new kind of meaning making. All the free-floating anxiety is now connected to a mental representation and all the frustration and aggression can be directed at the scapegoat, at the people who do not want to participate who, uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the masses, in the crowd. And that typically um, uh, leads, to, leads to this, to this, to, to kind of a, uh, to, so that, that makes that, makes people switch from a highly negative and aversive mental state to a symptomatic positive mental state, which leads to a certain mental intoxication and to something very typical, namely that the field of attention 
becomes extremely narrow. It becomes extremely narrow. It is as if people only see this aspect of reality that is indicated by the narrative. And all the rest disappears from the field of attention and disappears into darkness, which makes that the process of mass formation has exactly the same effects as hypnosis. Most scholars who studied the process of mass formation, famous scholars such as Gustave Le Bon, Freud, um, uh, McDougall, Canetti, uh, Hannah Arendt also, uh, who was a philosopher, but who also described the process of mass formation very, uh, very elaborately in her work on totalitarianism. But uh, most of these people mentioned that the process of mass formation is actually identical to hypnosis. It makes that all the attention is focused on one point and that people forget all the rest. For instance, under the, when people are in, into the process of mass formation, they do not notice that, they, that their own personal um, interests, individual interests, are compromised, that they lose many things that are important to them, that, are, that have an individual importance to them. And that in itself is also perfectly illustrated if you look at the process of, hyp of, of hypnosis. You know, in certain hospitals, surgeons or doctors use hypnosis as a way to make people insensitive to pain, as a kind mm -hmm. of an anesthesia. When they are, in the first place, when they are allergic to uh, biochemical uh, anesthesia, they bring people under hypnosis and what you see is that this, a relatively simple hypnotic procedure is sufficient to make a patient so insensitive to pain that the surgeon can cut straight through the skin, the flesh, sometimes even straight through the breastbone to perform an open heart operation without the patient noticing it. And that's all a consequence of the fact that the attention of the patient is focused on one small positive aspect of reality. And under that condition, he will not notice uh, even the most extreme pain that is caused by a surgical operation. And that's also what happens in mass formation. People, because all the anxiety and all the psychological energy is attached, is connected to a very small set of mental representations, the people's awareness is limited to these, exactly these mental uh, representations and all the rest, for instance, the collateral, collateral damage and the, of, the, of the corona measures will not have a psychological impact anymore. People might hear about the collateral damage of the measures, but because there is no psychological energy connected to the representations of the collateral damage, it will have no impact at all. People will continue to stick to the measures, no matter how absurd they are, for someone who is not under hypnosis. Even the more absurd the measures become, the more they will be applauded by a certain part of the population. This relatively small part of the population who is really in hypnosis, who is really hypnotized, because simply, because when a measure is absurd, it functions as a ritual even better than when it is not absurd. Because a ritual, is a kind of behavior, symbolic behavior, which has no pragmatic meaning at all, no pragmatic importance, and which demands a sacrifice of the individual through participating in ritualistic behavior 
an individual shows that its own individual interests are less important than the collective. And that is exactly, exactly what the corona measures are for, a, for this part of the population that uh, is really into the process of mass formation. Through participating in the measures, they show, people show, that the collective is more important than the individual. Yeah. yeah. So um, I'm glad that you, uh, I gave you heaps of time to explain that because that is probably one of the best explanations that I have heard of what the hell is going on right now. But interestingly, the, the analogy uh, you've used with hypnosis, that was actually picked up by the Australian media because I had... Um, Dr. Robert Malone and Dr. Peter McCullough, uh, both on this podcast, uh, they raised the topics of mass formation, or as they called it, mass formation psychosis. Uh, and one media outlet, in fact, our taxpayer-funded public broadcaster, uh, called it a conspiracy theory, called mass formation a conspiracy theory that had been debunked. And the way they described it was just so so base it was really a complete nut of misrepresentation they said and you'll you'll love this professor Smith. they said that it's a conspiracy theory that's been debunked that actually says that the political elite and the mass media have been hypnotized into pushing the pandemic restriction measures um now that's not what you just said um how do you respond though to these claims that it's been one debunked, that two, it's a conspiracy theory, and three, that uh, you know that nonsense explanation that our public broadcaster uh, put out. And I, I, I just want to say that um, one of the things that I really think needs to be emphasised is this idea that it's a conspiracy theory. When you have gone through these great theorists, uh, Gustave Le Bon, Hannah Arendt, uh, who, who have come before you, uh, to explain mass formation, and and you know it's it's how it's how it comes about and what it causes. So it's not a conspiracy theory. This has been something that's been in the public realm for some time. So please, could you respond to these claims? Yes, yes, of course I can respond to that. And of course, it's not a, it's not a conspiracy theory. It just it just describes a certain psychological dynamic, a certain process in society which explains why people go along with a narrative that shows uh, absurd characteristics. And um, uh, this process of mass formation, actually with the, the, the theory of mass formation, I have, I, as, uh, uh, doesn't tell us how the mass formation emerged. So this ma mass formation can emerge in an entirely spontaneous way and it can also be artificially provoked to a certain extent. And if you look at the historical examples, then you see that in the Soviet Union, there was a small communist elite who provoked to a certain extent the mass formation in an artificial way. So you could say, if you want, there was a, that there was a certain aspect of conspiracy in the, in the emergence of the, of the mass formation in the Soviet Union. But even then, the conspiracy dimension was rather limited. And to a large extent, you can, it's better to compare it with the way in which an ideology spreads through a population. Um, 
so in a non-intentional way, uh, sometimes an ideology uh, grips society and leads to a process of mass formation. And uh, in Nazi Germany, it was the other way around. In Nazi Germany, there was first a mass formation. And from the mass, from the crowd, a small elite emerged, which took the lead over the masses and which eventually led to the emergence of a totalitarian regime of the Nazi regime. So uh, the theory of mass formation is, is not a conspiracy theory at all. It just describes a certain well-known uh, social phenomenon, which is was referred to by many famous scholars um, uh, uh, in the, in, throughout the last uh, two centuries. Um, I don't know if that sufficiently answers your well, um, it, it, it does, but uh, I mean, I just want to uh, get your response to a particular point, and you've already, almost already responded to it, and that is the claim that it's been debunked, because I've heard this in, in the mainstream media, fact-checkers uh, on social media platforms that uh, claim that your theory of mass formation has been debunked. Has it been debunked? Well... Um, not at all, of course. It, 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 I, I wouldn't know how you could debunk a phenomenon that is described by since 200 years by an entire field of psychology. Uh, you could, of course, you could, you could, of course, uh, uh, wonder whether whether it really exists in the in the in the Corona crisis. This phenomenon, uh, I, I'm I'm open to to uh, to discuss about that or to 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 enter an open academic debate about the question whether or not what we experience in the corona crisis can be explained on the basis of the, of the process of mass formation and actually i am testing this together with two mathematicians in a much more empirical way now we've built a mathematical model uh, for the process of mass formation so a set of differential equations it's together with uh, norbert schwarzer for instance a mathematician uh, that I built, uh, that we built. Uh, it was in the first place uh, Norbert Schwarzer who built this mathematical model. But we built a, math a mathematical model for the process of mass formation, and we will test it now empirically uh, whether or not uh, you can explain uh, many of the societal dynamics uh, on the basis of this process uh, in the Corona crisis. Uh, so, but in my opinion, if you just uh, uh, look at the phenomena that are going on. Uh, it's extremely hard to explain it in another way, I, I believe. It's extremely hard to explain uh, why people continue and why society in general, the experts included, continue to be blind for, uh, for the collateral damage of the measures and continue to overestimate the dangerousness of the virus without uh, um, uh, the hypothesis of a, of a process of mass formation. I believe, in my opinion, it, it, it's... If you just look uh, at what happens all the time uh, in society, it's extremely hard uh, to ignore that there is such a thing happening uh, as a process of mass formation. But I agree it, it can be it can be studied and tested in a more systematic way, and we will also do so. And we will will also we will also try to provide uh, such a such a test. Um, but no, the similarities with what has been going on. Uh, in the beginning of the, the emergence of the totalitarian regimes of the 20th century are extremely striking, I think. So it, 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 and, and, and also, uh, 
I mean, there are there are differences as well, of course. Uh, in the in the beginning of the 20th century, in the Soviet Union, and then the uh, Nazi Germany, uh, what was happening was a different kind of of totalitarianism and mass formation than what is happening now. What we see now is we we, we, see, we see a kind of totalitarianism uh, now that is that is Hannah Arendt, Hannah Arendt. I don't know how we exactly pronounce her name in Australia, but Hannah Arendt in her book. The Origins of Totalitarianism, which was published in 1953, uh, she mentioned already that uh, with the decline of the of Nazism and of the and of the Soviet Union and of communism, um, uh, totalitarianism would not stop. Uh, it would, and it would return. She said, as a kind of totalitarianism that was not led by by gang leaders, mob leaders. She said, such as Stalin or Hitler, but by uh, uh, dull bureaucrats and technocrats. So she mm. predicted already uh, that a new kind of totalitarianism would emerge, a kind of totalitarianism that was fundamentally technocratic in nature, that was led by dull bureaucrats and technocrats. Uh, so in that, uh, I believe that that is what is happening now. Uh, um, uh, well, um, we will talk more about that. Uh, in the next episode of Conservative One, and I think that's going to be very interesting for a lot of people. Conservative One Pandemic Unmasked is hosted by George Christensen, MP. You can find more episodes from this series at goodsource.news forward slash unmasked. This show is produced and published without censorship or paywall by the team at The Good Source, thanks to The Good Source supporters. If you'd like to be part of the solution by helping us produce more truthful content like this each month, head to goodsource.news and click on the support button. Make sure to follow George Christensen on Telegram, Getter, Gab, Parler, Facebook, Twitter and YouTube. You can also help us beat the algorithms by giving us five stars and encouraging comments in Apple Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.